Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Back to America's Heroes Group. In this segment, we have a roundtable with our partner, the Veteran Legislative Voice. April is Sexual Assault and Autism Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, April 23rd, 2022. And don't forget to see us on Facebook Live. We're live right now, live streaming. See us on Facebook and also go to YouTube, Google, or search us, americashd.org, and see some of the things we're talking about on our previous shows. And also, when you go to YouTube, like and subscribe so you can get content and also stay up to date on what we're talking about and comment on what we're talking about so we can stay abreast of what you guys want to hear. So we have our host, Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a, a familiar voice on the line today. We have Miss Stephanie Collada, our U.S. Army veteran, Army Reserve First Sergeant First Class, and the founder and creator of the Veterans Legislative Voice. How are you doing, Stephanie? Doing great. Good to have you on. So you want to tell us about uh, H.R. 7560, which is a sexual harassment Independent Investigative and Prosecution Act. Tell us about that and what's going on. Okay, so yeah, um, last time I was on, we talked about sexual assault and sexual harassment and a lot of things that have changed. Um, two, two years ago from yesterday, Vanessa Guillen went missing, and that actually started a giant social media storm across the U.S., and um, it, caught, it actually instigated four congressional hearings two different investigations and commissions, and a bunch of things have come out, and there's been a lot of improvements, but there's still a lot to be done. And um, I really am excited about the bill that um, Representative Jackie Spear had introduced two days ago. It's H.R. 750, excuse me, 7560, Sexual Harassment Independent Investigations and Prosecutions Act. This act would actually kind of take over the gap of what the um, the previous bills, the acts have actually have missed. So this would, uh, so in the last bills for everybody's understanding, sexual harassment has made um, a punitive crime um, added to the UCMJ chapters. Um, but the thing is, is that they have a, they put in and said that an inf- in independent investigator is allowed to investigate. The commander's still in charge here, but they didn't specify who the independent investigator is and how different it is from the current processing. And there's also a few other things that goes in from that. Hmm. So you're saying that the bill as presented is not quite where it needs to be? Correct. So as it is now and really um, before this bill, um, when a person files a formal sexual harassment complaint, the complaint goes to the um, commander, and it's typically a brigade commander and above would uh, receive the, um, the the complaint. They will initiate and put in a investigator. This investigator could be anyone. Honestly, they just have to be higher rank than the two individuals involved, or two or more individuals involved that uh, in the investigation. So it could be a brand new lieutenant that just got a college in uh, out of Bolick and have no clue about sexual harassment, most likely came from a college fraternity where that stuff is also 
rampant. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to discriminate fraternities. I love you guys. But um, those type of things, is it, those type of people just don't have the real world experience of what sexual harassment truly is. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> excuse me. So why is that, though? What happened? Well, the thing is, is that they found that male and female investors or anyone service members define sexual harassment differently. Everybody has a lot of females uh, define it more often uh, than not of that most actual legal people will classify it as. And men would most likely uh, define it as less than what the legal lines go. And so there's a lot of issues with that on the perceptions of sexual harassment. For it being still under a command and not a trained investigator, a lot of people that are going through sexual harassment don't feel enough trust in the system to actually action on this. So because you're going to put yourself out there and you might face uh, retaliation. And there's a, there is a lot of people that have gone through ta- retaliation and they haven't actually been properly investigated or filed because, hey, you got retaliated against for filing a complaint in the first place. Are you really going to file another complaint about retaliation, especially when you're going through the same chain of command? Mm-hmm. And often the answer is no. So it's almost like the way I interpret that, it's almost as if, you know, you're almost going to the, the same system or people that hurt you to get permission yeah. to be, to get some kind of, rep, get some kind of rep, uh, retribution or some kind of uh, compensation or some kind of just justice for what happened yeah. to you, just to feel safe. Yeah. Yes. And it's really hard because the majority of people that they found that, and it's just barely over, it's between 50 and 60%, depending on the studies, the harassers are higher ranking than the victims. Victims are typically in the same age group as sexual assault and sexual harassment. It's the same group. It's 18 to 24. Typically, it's a female and within their first contract. Well, guess which group has the highest attrition rate, though most likely not to serve more than one contract or not finish their contract? That same exact group. Hmm. So is this more stupidity or is it more just they just not trying to really make any real changes? I think that they just don't understand what's really going down in the ground level. Um, because when you're high up in those command levels, it's really hard to get an understanding from the ground level. Uh, I used to work at two star commands and staff and I've, I had to fight to get to the units so then I can understand what's really going on at the company and battalion level. So then I can try to make changes from where I'm at. And it can be really hard because the people that you are hearing from the majority of the time is the chain of command. That's who you're going to be talking to. So those people could also be um, instigating what they call a continuum of harm, because if there is rampant sexual harassment, uh, sexual assault is more likely to occur. And they've actually, well, I've done the study and I've um, had put it out to a couple of other people. I found that Only 1% of all people that are sexually harassed in the Army in 2018 actually filed a complaint. 1%. So that's showing a major distrust in the system. And that's one of the reasons why this bill would be so great, because this bill would make sure that it's somebody that has zero relationship with the chain of command, nor the subject or the victim or any of the other people that are involved. And this person would be trained on how to look into these sexual harassments. Sexual harassment in the workplace on the civilian side is often done by trained professionals 
Right. That's all they do but that in seems HR. Like, that seems almost obvious. Like, why would you have someone? That's <laughs> like getting advice, legal advice from from your like from your butcher or something like that, or like you know, getting a plumber to tell you you know what's the best way to you know treat erectile dysfunction or something. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's retarded. Right. So why? Well, would the you, thing is, is that. I mean, that's, but so the, the, why, why are they still going through this process of taking half-assed measures to try to solve such a serious problem? It's because they're so used to the system being the, the way it is. I mean, I know you probably understand uh, 15-6s in the military. If you find something wrong, like supply is missing, basically they would put hopefully a logistics person in, in control of investigation, but the investigation could be anyone to look into where the, uh, the equipment is missing or why it's broken. I mean, for safety and incidents and accidents, often it's a safety person that has to be um, that has to be trained. But to a certain extent, they don't have to be. So it's a constant uh, culture that they investigate themselves, and that's what they're used to. And so they don't know anything else other than the civilian side, or excuse me, other than the military side. Yeah, but that's like I said. But that's still, I mean, it's, it defies all common sense. I mean, when I was a mechanic and I was in the military, I never asked a, a medic to go and fix a truck. <laughs> you know, I don't say, oh, right. you know, hey, medic, go in there and get that, that vehicle out of this mired in that mud over there. No, you, I mean, they don't ask well, me to go and do triage on a, on a, on a, on a soldier in the field. I mean, why? So, then I'm, a, I'm a mechanic. I'm not a medic. So why would so that's right. So this makes this seems like it's more common sense. So that so then it leans to me, it leans more into this is not something you really care about enough to really take the time and effort to truly think this thing through if you can put a missile a thousand miles away on you know on a on a target that's you know 12 feet in diameter you can you can you think you would be able to figure out something that's that you could figure out in at at the elementary school level right and then so these type of things were originally in the uh bills for the national defense authorization act when it was but it was actually purged out in the process so that's what happens sometimes and another thing that happened during this purge was that sexual harassment was originally put in that it would be investigated by a, um, let me double check my term, term for this. Uh, they would be actually put in, they would be under the control of the special count, uh, trial counsel who, like a DA, would receive the information of the investigation and then decide whether to go forward with trial or not or plea agreements and what have you. The NDA had, lacks a sexual harassment charge under the control of the special trial counsel. So this bill would also correct that mistake and actually have them under there. Because right now, while the investigation would be done outside of the chain of command, it still goes back to the commander on whether to go forward with a trial or not and the sentencing. The there would be a judge that would sentence, but there's like a bunch of things that these commanders have control of. One of the things still I want people to kind of understand is that because a lot of critics will say, well, a lot of this is because um, these cases, a lot of these uh, these complaints really aren't that serious. Maybe they're, they're maybe they're ambiguous or maybe uh, uh, two people went out on a date or did something. Maybe they were fraternizing and then or in a relationship that went south. And then all of a sudden now there's there's some kind of controversy or someone crying a foul. Um, can you give us some insight as to what types of complaints are we talking about? Are we talking about um, fraternization? Are we talking about straight-up sexual assault? Are we talking about rape? What are we talking about? All of the above. I mean, it would be um, unwanted, uh, basically unwanted advances in a sexual nature. Um, because, honestly, if you, get, uh, if you receive 
if I receive a private colada had received sexual advances from a staff sergeant, I'm going to feel threatened here and I'm probably not going to be able to handle this situation. So a lot of times trying to say no is kind of scary. But when you do that, when you actually make a report with these cases, I would feel more um, trustworthy of the system. That's one of the things is, gosh, it's actually happened to me personally with, with an instructor that tried, that had been flirting with me and I just tried to keep him at a distance and then he advanced and tried to do sexual assault. Hmm. And those things happen a lot. There would be other ones of quid pro quo that, you know, if you do this for me, I'll do this for you. Um, it could also be uh, the advances would include not just words or other things. It could also be sending nude pictures to the victim or actually trying to get nude pictures of the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, it could also be uh, trying to think of other um, instances. Actually, it could also include of talking about the sexual in nature in a public place with a person or about a person can also include sexual harassment as well. well these are, this is a thing. These are, these are like the things that you learn when you go to most jobs. Like when I go to my job, every, like once a year, you got to take a little training module. It's like a little like 10 minute video that says like, this is the thing. This is like sexual, like sexual harassment one-on-one. Like, you know, like right. you send nude pictures of your penis around everybody in, in the platoon. Like that would be obvious to me, you know, but the, but the yeah. thing of it is, is that, you know, unfortunately stuff like this happens, you know, and some of the people blame it on, on like more of a male culture in the military where it's predominantly male, you know, women are the fastest growing demographic in the military. But the problem is, is that, you know, you do have a fraternity type atmosphere in a lot of segments and units in the military. I mean, I've seen it myself firsthand. And I've, I mean, it's, that's just what it is because you get a lot of guys unsupervised sometimes and, and the perspective of being around a female. And if you do have one or two females in your section, oftentimes they don't say anything when, when guys are maybe right. being inappropriate. So that's, yeah, so, so the, but the thing of it is, is that you would think that there would be, I've never taken a training class when I was in the military about just sexual harassment, you know, in the civilian world, I don't know any company. When you go to McDonald's, they have like a little training video. That's like 10 minutes long. You got to watch every year, like things not to do. Uh, when you're in the workplace, like put your penis in the fryer or something like that, whatever. You know, these are things yeah. that you're not supposed to do. Like this, you don't have, you, I mean, you would think that, and I understand that in the real world, it's not necessarily obvious all the time because depending on where you come from, your frame of reference is, you may, you might think joking around in the sexual nature or making, or maybe making certain types of jokes might be okay or not be so bad, quote unquote. Um, but at the same time, you have to be able to respect other people's boundaries and respect other people, what makes other people comfortable. You know, so but even, right. even in the military, when you're dealing with topics of life and death, when you're dealing with topics of warfare, when you're dealing with topics of survival, things like that. So, I mean, I don't know, like I said, I think it seems like an easiest thing to fix. But at the same time, I don't understand why we stumble with it so much in the military. It's it's a culture problem. And that's one of the things when I used to teach, because I used to be a SARC myself, a sexual assault response coordinator. When I used to teach the training, I used to go through all of the different instances of sexual harassment and sexual assault. And one of the things that really surprised a lot of the male service members was the um, instances that are actually qualified for sexual assault because uh, a lot of times hazing leads to sexual assault. And I would go into detail on the different things, the acts that would happen, and a lot of them were like, oh, crap, I need to stop doing what the heck I've been doing. You see that in their heads, and it happens because it's such a culture thing is that they think it's okay. And that's where the continuum of harm happens. A RAND study really had shown how it can actually perpetrate a lot more issues. I mean, not only just sexual harassment and sexual assault. It could lead to suicide. It can lead to DUIs. It can lead to a lot of different things happening. 
um, there was a base study that uh, the DOD also did, and they found that when they have toxic leadership and toxic people involved in the um, work environment, there is going to more likely to be sexual harassment, assault, DUIs, drug issues, suicide, um, accidents are more likely to happen by three or four times as much than those units and and command that actually have um, a good thing going and actually acting properly. So where, so where do you think we're headed? No, where, where is this bill right now? And then where is this where is this headed right now? Well, it is it was um, actually introduced two days ago. It already has forty five co sponsors. It's on the way, and if we just keep up on it, it's going to be hopefully a good push. We've got until oh, the end of this congressional session this year until they can actually uh, or it, the bill will die. And sadly, uh, Representative Jackie Spear is retiring after this session, so she's not running for a re-election um, this fall. So uh, this might be our only chance for her, at least. Somebody else can try to um, carry the flag, carry the banner for that. But that's one of the things that we're just hoping for that push, to get you guys to call your representatives, call your senators, ask them to co-sponsor, ask them to pay and to um, say yes on the bill, just so that they can actually correct these issues because what we worry about is all the advances that we have made might not be enough. And when it's not, it shows that it's not enough. Those that oppose those advances will say, see, it didn't work. That's what we're trying to fight against and try to make sure that the right laws are in place. So then we don't have to go back and fix or have to fight those that opposed. So with this particular bill, your goal is to make sure that a, it gets, it gets fixed. It sounds like, right. Yes, to fill in the gaps that the NDA law, uh, had left. Okay, and then, but then, but more importantly, if this bill doesn't, even if as in its current state, is, is it better to have this bill on the books? If say it goes through all the way and it becomes law, is it better to keep it in its current form versus not having it at all? Yes, most definitely. I mean, I would. I hope that they would not take anything out. I would actually welcome more additions to it. Um, but yes. The way it is currently, I hope and pray that it'll get passed. That's my big goal for this year. Mm-hmm. If I can get anything passed this year, this will be it. And I never put myself out like out there like that. But that's what I'm trying to do. So, say this thing did get passed in its current form, is it easier or is it harder to make a, to a modify to make it stronger? Um, well, once it gets passed, it gets passed. You'll have to go through the entire bill process again. Okay. Um, so that's that's the reason why it was so hard when NDA passed without these uh, without these uh, details in it because then we would have to start the process all over again to again get, get it introduced, passed in the committees, and then passed in each chamber of Capitol Hill. So trying to get it out as is is the most preferable. And what's the what's the temperature like? Is it are people receptive to it, or are people kind of um, kind of oblivious to it? What's what are people seeing about this bill? Um, they, some are, especially those that are not too understanding on the military justice system, because when the NDA passed, everybody celebrated. But those that understand the system were like, no, you were so close to getting it perfect because we were happy the way it was. Mm. And so that's one of the things that we are trying to show people to understand. I will say that majority of those that are favoring this type of bill and this wording are Democrats. So with our fingers crossed with um, the majority in the House and barely the majority in the Senate, 
we're hoping that we can actually get that to pass because it is mostly Democrats that do vote and co-sponsor for this type of bill. Mm -hmm. One more time before we run out of time, tell us how do we connect with the the Veterans Legislative Voice? Give us your social uh, media information and also any numbers you want to give us. Yeah. Um, So Veterans Legislative Voice, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, The website is VETS, V-E-T-S, legislativevoice.org. And I'm also writing for you guys weekly on the column for the Chicago Crusader. Excited about it. That's great. I appreciate that. So then this information about H.R. 7560, that is going to be on the on your website also. Is that right? Yes, I should have that done tonight. So you guys should actually see, be seeing that soon. Okay, I appreciate that. That's really This is really important that you bring this up to people's attention. And then also letting Thank people you. know and let especially civilians understand you know, what military life is like and also some of the challenges, particularly with um, uh, sexual assault and also with the culture of the military. Not to say that right. that, that there aren't great things that are being done, not that, that women aren't doing great jobs in the military and, and, and being recognized for the work that they do, but there still are some pieces in the military that need to be addressed and fixed for men and women. Yes, and the thing is is that those victims that actually do experience sexual harassment and sexual assault, male and female, they're more likely to be homeless. They're more likely to be alcoholics and drug addicts. They're more likely to have a myriad of other issues than just, their mental health, because the mental health affects everything in the body, in the person's life. They're more likely to be divorced. They're more likely to be on their own. Mm-hmm. And if for the women, they're more likely to have kids while they're homeless. And that's even a more additional problem when that happens. Hmm. And on, as an aside, do you see the military, um, either the UCMJ being written or, re- or modified or maybe the culture changing to a point where ev- or even any kind of uh, – contact or socialization between men and women or two different partners of any kind um, in the military where or relationships are discouraged altogether? That one's hard to say. Um, it's almost like saying that there will never be sexual uh, military sexual trauma ever in the military. Um, to me, it's always going to happen. Um, there's always going to be a leader that's going to perpetuate um, and allow things to go on. It's up to us to really try to fix that and call them out and file complaints, file reports, try to get these people at least facing justice and correcting these these issues. This was the thing that I fought the entire time and I was in the Army Reserve was because when I saw myself get had issues and had um, run through a lot of problems, I made sure that it didn't happen to any of my soldiers. And so that's what I'm asking for a lot of people to try to make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else. Mm-hmm. But where do we draw that line between a um, a, a healthy relationship to to abuse. Ooh, ooh. Um, it's also well, actually, there's a lot of red flags that have been going out there now. Um, I've been um, really listening to podcasts, which is crazy. But then a lot of things that people have been understanding about toxic relationships and toxic people are the red flags that happen, and not, usually narcissism usually um, is one of the big things that people target out there. But there are red flags now out there for everyone to understand what is the right thing and the wrong thing for a peer, for a superior, for a commander to really ask for. I mean, they, they shouldn't be asking for, you know what, a, you know, going to, to a drinks later. I mean, sure. If it's you and a couple of people, that's great. One-on-one can be problematic. There's uh, if they're calling you at all hours, there's a lot of different things involved in there. And what I hate, also hate about these type of things is that it can go on the reverse side. If there is a male and female team 
that work well together, often people assume that they are sleeping together. Mm -hmm. So we have to really be cognizant of the issues that can happen with those type things um, and really trying to see those red flags out there. I think that's good information. I really appreciate that. So um, I think you're doing great work. I think you. I think we got to basically do a lot more um, groundwork as far as getting information out there and also making sure that people go to the websites, find out about HR seven five sixty. Also go to to America's HG. Um, I'm sorry, America's HG dot org, and make sure you you go onto our website to get information, look at past videos, and go to Facebook and YouTube and see what we're talking about, so you can understand and get a deeper understanding to what these issues and topics are all about. And also, thank you, Stephanie, for your time. I really appreciate the information you always bring to us every month and every week. You do a lot of great work. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.